It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 291 of Locked On Raptors for Saturday, March 10th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. Uh, Locked On Raptors, of course, is also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which hosts team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA with David Locke. There's the Locked On NFL Network as well for all the free agency action that you need. Say you're a Seahawks fan. Why don't you listen to Locked On Seahawks with, I think, Grant Goldberg and Spike Friedman. Uh, they'll have all of your information about the destruction of the Legion of Boom and all that stuff this week. Uh, so yeah, the great local angle for all the different teams in the NBA and NFL, and I think there's some MLB shows starting to get up and running as well now, too. So uh, get excited for baseball season with that. And uh, yeah, find Locked On Raptors on iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review. I've asked you a million times by now. If you haven't done it by now, you're probably not going to do it. But hey, do it. It's nice. It helps to make us more popular. It moves us up the rankings. Helps with the algorithm. At least I think it does. I don't know. I say those things. I don't totally believe them. I just that's what I'm told to say. So uh, please go to the iTunes page, rating, review, and uh, thank you in advance for doing that. All right, on today's show, uh, you can probably sense in my voice, and it might be because of the two coffees I've had in the last two hours. But uh, it was it's a very exciting time. The Raptors beat the Houston Rockets last night, 108-105, and that little chuckle you heard is from our guest today, a uh, friend of the show, Dan Grant. How's it going, buddy? Doing very well, Sean. Yeah, it was a great game. I'm uh, pretty excited myself. You were at the game, correct? I was. Uh, how was the atmospheric element of the game for you? I was up top. It's always kind of, I always get like the louder version of everything because I'm up top and everything rises and the music right right there as well. Uh, but being down in the crowd, what was the experience like as the Raptors pulled out that win over Houston? Well, funny story about that. So I got the tickets to the game as a Christmas present from my father-in-law, uh, who was a, a wonderful man, but is not the most technologically adept guy. <laughs> and had just he's retired and had just gone away on a vacation. And was actually flying yesterday um, on his way back, actually, and hadn't given us the tickets. He had given us a paper, which we <laughs> thought were the tickets, and it said explicitly on it, once you open it up, these are not tickets. So we went through a total odyssey trying to get the tickets yesterday. We, it did work out. I'm not going to bore everyone with all the details. But when we got in, we started climbing and climbing and climbing, and we realized <laughs> that, bless his heart, he had bought us standing room tickets. <laughs> um, so... Myself and my wife, we were there together, and we were uh, in the very last row, holding up the rafters of the ACC. So it was extremely loud. Um, it was a lot of fun. The atmosphere was great. Um, I mean, you can see from everywhere in the ACC, so it was fine. But mm-hmm. it was—I uh, wasn't—I I might have been even, I know, further further up than you. So I can't really talk about the experience down low. But it seemed like the, the environment was pretty electric. It felt a lot like a playoff game. Those damn ticket confirmation emails. Uh, I did yeah. the exact same thing. Actually, I ran into you in Chicago when I went yes. there to go see the Jays play. You obviously went to a game or two at Wrigley Field as well over the summer. Uh, and driving over the border, I like 
for some reason I was looking for like my passport. I pull out the envelope where my passport was, and the tickets were supposed to be in there as well. And for some reason I had like a little thing like I'm just gonna check to make sure I had the tickets. And lo and behold, I did not have the tickets. I just yeah. had the email confirmation thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so my dad, who bought the tickets for us, had to like call Wrigley Field and like set up a will call thing for us. Um, yeah. Because I had forgotten the tickets, but now the tickets are framed with nice pictures from Wrigley Field. So I oh, did I did really a good nice. thing um, by forgetting those tickets. Either way, uh, <laughs> we can get to the basketball game now. It was awesome. The Raptors played really well. I thought the first half was one of the best halves of basketball I've seen them play all season. Kyle Lowry came out, bombed a bunch of threes, uh, finished with thirty points, like a very quiet thirty points too. Um, and DeMar DeRozan, you know, he did his thing as well. He wasn't the most efficient ever, but he was really good. And, you know, he, he made that ridiculous shot late over James Harden, which kind of sealed things, or at least came close to sealing it. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from the game? Was it Kyle and DeMar? Was it something else? Like, what did you come away thinking about most from that win? I just think it was kind of the culmination of the Raptors' personalities that were right on display. Like, as you mentioned, Lowry came out with, you know, the FU let's go here I am uh, making shots right away when he's at his best that's the way he is DeRozan took a little while to get going he didn't score for the first while mm-hmm. and uh, it was just like he was picking his spots he wasn't but you know typical of the way he's evolved uh, this season you know from he's always been evolving but particularly this season he didn't force it he wasn't trying to force anything he did take one kind of weird jumper early on but it's fine. Like he he picked his spots and he wound up having a great game, right? He didn't, you know, pick his spots, meet with opposition, and then kind of wilt, which we'd seen happen before. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just it was awesome. It's awesome to see them continue um, the transition the team has made this year. Uh, and I think beyond that, the fact that they were able to beat Houston, you know, missing OG, missing Delon Wright, uh, the fact that Malcolm Miller came in and just subbed right into that second unit. It's kind of showing that the the idea of them building a, a program, a Spurs-like program, where people can sub in and you can have, you know, that development. I think you saw it all on display, and it was that was that was for me the biggest takeaway. It was very cool to see that they're at this height right now, but that it doesn't look like they're going to be going anywhere anytime soon. It seems like they're a very sustainable thing. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, the the bench unit I thought was really impressive because I thought this was going to be one of the biggest tests for the bench that we've seen yet because, you know, the whole thing has been, you know, oh, they're up against second units, blah, blah, blah. Is it going to be as effective when, you know, you have, you know, stars on the court across from them? And the Rockets have Chris Paul or James Harden on the court at all times of the game. So their second unit is inherently really, really good. And the Raptors, with a second unit that didn't even have DeLon Wright, Malcolm Miller was in there. He scored a quick seven points, uh, which was really a nice little offensive boost for a lineup that has kind of struggled at times to create their own offense in the half court. I thought they acquitted themselves really nicely. Their defense was excellent. Um, and this kind of dovetails into the thing that I was most impressed by, and that was Jakob Pertl and Jonas Valanciunas kind of collectively playing center together. And, you know, they played the entirety of the 48 minutes, one of those two at center. And it was just really damn impressive to see what they did. They did 
You know, the, the system, the sort of the game plan that the Raptors seemed to be deploying was, you know, with, with the Rockets, and I wrote about this for Raptors HQ if you want more, you know, sort of coherent and uh, uh, whatever, articulated thoughts on this, but the the Raptors were very much content to just kind of let the Rockets go to the rim a bunch over and over and over again uh, and sort of dupe them into a, a shot chart that is not really what the Rockets are all about. The Rockets over the course of the season are about 50-50 in terms of threes to twos attempted and last night only 27 of 81 attempts were from three. That's one third of their attempts exactly. Uh, that's not where they want to be of course. And they were 9 of 27. They were you know when they shoot 33% that's you know obviously down from where you'd want to be uh, in terms of a true shooting thing, especially if, if you're the Rockets and you have this crazy offensive, you know, capacity. Um, so for the Raptors to sort of sit back and say, "All right, Jonas, Yak, we're not going to give you any help. We're going to you're either going to be in isolation." There was a couple of great plays where, where Yak got switched on to uh, Chris Paul that I talked to him about for the thing I wrote today. Uh, and then Jonas Valanciunas more so in the pick and roll, sort of negotiating that strange decision making process where it's like, all right, you got to have to you know guard for the lob because Clint Capella is coming in from behind you and he's probably going to get the lob from the weak side, or it's you know just trying to stay in front of Harden or Paul to you know contest their shot at the rim. And, and Harden's left hand is so goddamn deadly that he gets to the rim pretty much whenever he wants. And I thought the Raptors sort of having those two just guard those guys in space and you know not commit extra defenders to coming and helping off of the shooters I thought that really sort of you know as much as it was the the Rockets were going for what they wanted with twos and and sort of and Dan Tony talked about this how you know Harden was 15 of 22 and they're like yeah we're just going to take the layups they're giving us like that's what the Raptors exactly wanted because it's a much more favorable math advantage especially when you go 15 of 38 from three on your own side of things Um, like that's just a mathematical edge that you need against the Rockets and I think the Raptors kind of you know as I detailed in the piece like kind of it was like a, a parent who like reverse psychologies their kid into eating an apple instead of ice cream. Uh, that's yeah, man, kind of the te- way. I'm a teacher, I, I use that stuff all day. Yeah, that's kind of the way I laid it out. So, uh, and I thought the Raptors did a really good job of that. And I thought, you know, that doesn't work unless Jonas and Yak are playing up to exactly what you need them to do. And they did yeah. just that. They were so great, sort of negotiating those really hard decisions that those guys present. Yeah, there's a great video on Twitter I retweeted earlier today from a guy named Steve Jones Jr. He's a uh, I don't know what he does now, but he's a former uh, Nets assistant coach. Um, it was really cool. He showed how the Raptors were defending the screen roll. Um, and he, sh- he showed basically, because Capella can't shoot. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if Ryan Anderson's out there, obviously he didn't play last night. Maybe it's a little bit different when he's on the floor. But if Capella was setting screens and it didn't matter who it was for, Jonas and uh, Yak were both just laying way off. They mm-hmm. were staying basically right underneath the net, you know not committing a defensive three-second violation, but just playing way off and saying, well, you know what, we're going to stay home. And Lowry was dictating the weak side defense at the same time and just you know, making sure they stayed on every three-point shooter. So, like you mentioned, the Rockets were forced to take a lot more twos than they normally want to. If you look at Harden's shooting line, he was really, really efficient last night. Um, but it was because they were giving him those twos. He only had four assists. Mm-hmm. For him, not being able to kind of penetrate and then kick to three-point shooters, that's where he gets a lot of his assists. So it was a really, really great job by them. And using Valanciunas and Pirtle as kind of a centerpiece of that defense is not something that I think before the season we would have predicted to be possible. So it was uh, it was a really, really heartening thing to see. And it's just awesome. Like people mentioned, I mean, it's not on the same level at all, but the advantage to the Rockets being able to play Harden and Paul for 48 minutes, I think being able to play any good tandem of guys so you don't have a weak spot at a mm-hmm. position for 48 minutes is a huge advantage in the new NBA because... 
teams are playing so hard on defense all the time. Uh, so the fact that we have JV and we have Pirtle out there for 48 minutes is is a huge advantage for Toronto. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that would have been a game where maybe last year they have to go to Serge Ibaka playing center. And yeah. then who knows if you get into a rebounding thing where Capella or P.J. Tucker is killing you on the boards because you got Ibaka at the five. So for those two to play to that level was so necessary. And it's not like they did, like, a perfect job. I think in the first half they were incredible. I think the, the Rockets uh-huh. were 12 of 22 inside five feet in the first half. That's way below uh, their season average of 63.6%, I think, is the yeah. number I had in the piece. Um, they, they, missed, they missed some easy shots. Yeah, they did for sure. But I think a lot of that also plays into Yak and, and Valanciunas, like, just contesting stuff and just being there and not just soiling, so, soiling themselves in every single possession. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, just totally. being able to not completely get owned which is something that Harden and Paul like to do is completely own people Um, the second half it kind of fell apart a little bit and the the offense got going because Houston's going to do that but I thought the the, you know the 15 point edge they got in the first half that was obviously necessary for them to win but and and like maybe you can nitpick and say if that game was 50 minutes long or 52 minutes long the Rockets end up winning because their offense had kind of figured things out but even late in crunch time like things kind of got back on track for the Raptors and you had that Jonas block on Capella where he sort of negotiated that decision-making process perfectly once again after you know a really rough third quarter. Um, so yeah, I, I thought the Rockets are going to get theirs, and like the, that's just how it's going to go for them. And I'm not surprised that they had such a good second half. But I thought the way the the bigs defended in the first half was kind of the reason they ended up being able to win and, and sort of hang on at the end. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, DeRozan was awesome defensively in this one too. Uh, that like, and Casey had a funny quote after where he was like, "Yeah, Demar kind of told on himself. Like, he's a better defender than he's shown." Um, and he was excellent last night. A couple of great possessions on Harden. Um, and yeah, what, what did you think of Demar's game overall? He was bombing threes. He was three of seven. That was great to see. These games where he's confident kind of come out of nowhere. He just decides to put them up. But it's great when he does it. Um, yeah. What did you think of Demar's game? Yeah, I think it's interesting to see with him, too. Again, we talk about the evolution of the player and the fact that he's got that shot now. Maybe it's not, you know, he's not, you know, Clay Thompson or anything, but it, the fact that it's there and he doesn't hesitate when he has an open look. Um, the fact that he has energy to expend on defense because he's not handling the ball, you know, I bet I don't have the stats in front of me, but the Raptors having, you know, Fred Van Vliet and having DeLon when they have him, having Lowry, having all these other guys who can handle the ball. Um, I think it helps him because it leaves him that energy to expend on defense sometimes. Um, but also just the fact that he's kicking as well. He's not forcing things. He's not, you know, just running into the paint over and over and over again, which obviously became a hallmark of him, you know, getting to the line, which is still an important part of his game. But mm. just the way he's transitioned his game to make things easier for himself, I think lets him use his athleticism on both ends a little bit better. He's still not a great defender, or at least hasn't shown the consistent defense, but the fact that he can play the way he did last night, just showing that he gives a shit and like making those hustle plays, that makes a big difference. That's that's you know you take yourself from a you know a huge minus to just even a net you know where you kind of grade out as even. That makes you makes you so much more valuable as a player to the team. And it was awesome to see him getting down there, getting in for those loose balls, diving, and you know that's the stuff you can control. You can't necessarily at age 28 or whatever improve your lateral quickness you're probably not going to be as fast as you were when you were even 21 or 22 Mm -hmm. but you're but you're smarter and the fact that he's learned how to do that and work within the team on offense so that he has that energy is 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 huge i think it's 
I love I love his game. I, I he didn't go for fifty or anything. I think he only had twenty three points, but you know the seven rebounds, the fact that he picked his spots, that he came up big when he needed to, um, it's it's huge for the team that he's doing that. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This week has been really fun for DeMar and Kyle having those games. Like, Kyle was incredible on on Wednesday in that Detroit game, even though DeMar kind of overshadowed with his finish. And, like, it kind of is all sort of coming together with, like, the plan for this season and having those guys play very few minutes and, you know, blowing teams out. It kind of saves them up for games like this and, in turn, the playoffs down the road where really where you really need those guys to kind of go balls to the wall they can. And, like, even last night, the Raptors beat the Rockets with Kyle Lowry playing 33 minutes. Like, that's... Yeah. Bonkers. Um, like I was kind of ready at the start of the fourth quarter. I was ready for Kyle to come in like immediately because that the lead that they had kind of dwindled pretty quickly. And I was like, all right, well, Kyle's at 25 minutes. If you play him 11 minutes here, he's only up to 36, and you can totally get away with that, and you can justify it for, for this game in particular. But they still got away with him playing 33 minutes, which uh, the grand vision has never been lost in any of these games. Yeah. Was there anything from this game that particularly concerned you in terms of, you know, a, a pie-in-the-sky matchup with the Rockets in the finals or just in terms of, like, playing really good teams in the playoffs in terms of how the Raptors played? Yeah, I think it's something that's been a concern for a while. It's the three-point shooting. Yeah. Um, you well, know, they were 15 of 38. What's that? <laughs> they were 15 of 38. No, no, I know, which is good. Yeah. That's the point. They won by three. Right, right. And a lot of the shots they made, you know, DeRozan took a couple heat check ones that went down. Um, they missed some open looks. Uh, I don't know. I think if something's going to kill them, it's going to be the nights where those shots don't go down. Right. You know, if they're 13 of 33 or 38 or whatever, you know, they lose the game. Yeah. So, um, you know, they made the shots they needed to make yesterday. I just think you'd rather it was a little more consistent. You knew where they were always going to be coming from. You know, Malcolm Miller, you mentioned earlier, uh, scoring, I think he made one three, but he you know, having those quick seven points at the beginning. You're not going to get that every night. The fact that they have the depth, though, mitigates that, I think. But Mm -hmm. you just want to know, I think, ideally, and this is just nitpicking, ideally you want to know where that shooting is going to be coming from more consistently. But, you know, if you have as many guys as they have, and you know, so many guys that are not, you know, lights out three-point shooters but are average to above average three-point shooters, you got to hope that you can find a few guys on a given night. But... The fact that that's so patchwork, I think there are going to be games in the playoffs where the shots just don't go down and they lose. So yeah. that could be seen as kind of a net negative for me. But, I mean, otherwise, you can't really say too much negative about that game yesterday. That was an awesome game. Oh, it kicked so much ass. Uh, yeah. To sort of go back against your point, like, I don't think we're going to see Serge Ibaka go one for five from three most nights. And CJ no, Miles isn't going to go two of seven. And Fred's not going to go one of four most nights. So, yeah, Kyle's not going to go seven of nine all the time, especially in the playoffs, but, uh, yeah. like, I think that's, uh, you know, I think it'll balance out. I think they're a fine enough three-point shooting team, and yeah, last night, you know, the math worked just in their favor. I think against most teams that aren't Houston, there's a little bit more margin for error, 
That's um, true. So maybe I'm a little bit less concerned about that. Uh, you asked me about a finals matchup, Sean. Yes, that's true. I did. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I still would think I do, I would definitely take the Rockets in a finals. I think their their yeah. offense is so goddamn ridiculous. But it's nice to know that there are little areas in which they can pick up math advantages. And like, obviously, over the course of a whole series, I feel like the Raptors' first half strategy yesterday would kind of get exploited and it would and you know eventually there'd just be so much of a layup line that things would have to change but and like that happened in the second half yesterday but uh it's nice to see that they had a nice plan in place and they stuck to it for the most part throughout the game norm was uh certainly an experience on offense again he was 05 from three i thought he was a little less wild than normal when he has his yeah. bad offensive nights i thought his threes that he took were like within rhythm of the offense and they weren't forced or anything like that um, what did you make of Norm's game as a whole? Like, was his defense good enough to sort of counteract his bad offense for you? Uh, no. Yeah. But they didn't really have any other options. Yeah. So, uh, he was okay. I mean, like you said, he played within the rhythm of the game. And they went offense-defense with him and CJ at the end. And, you know, he was out there giving it his all. I think he's a guy who's kind of earned the right to do that, but just – had lost his spot to a guy playing better than him in OG. Um, I think OG's shooting has really, you know, even before he was hurt, was kind of disappearing. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I don't know. Maybe it's just all gearing up for Norm to come out in Game 5 and save us in the first round again. But, (laughs) um, (laughs) I don't don't know. It's it's kind of a weird thing because I I get why he's struggling and it's hard to find a rhythm when you don't know when you're going to get minutes. Um, it's hard for him to just play through it when he doesn't always get to play. And now the fact that he is getting this opportunity in such a you know time when the spotlight is on them, there's so much pressure. Um, I don't know. It's he's kind of been a bit of a vexing. Now vexing is the wrong word because I'm not mad at him. I just feel bad for him. Yeah. Uh, he's a guy who obviously works so hard and cares so much about it. You can tell it. Like you can see it in his face when they take him off. You know, in the offense defense situation, he's like, "Come on, I'm Norm Powell." I was. His whole thing coming out of college is that he's a scorer. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, I can imagine how frustrating it is for the guy. But no, his his defense was fine, but his offense was really bad, and yeah. that's that's tough when he's getting those open corner threes. They got to go down. Yeah, I thought he did as be- like about as good a job as you could hope on a guy like Harden. Um, yeah. And oh, like, yeah. yeah. I would rather him than Miles trying to guard Harden or even DeRozan. You know, at yeah, least he. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't oh, think absolutely. like his thirty-one minutes were too many by any means. I thought oh. Casey played it well down the stretch, but yeah, the without DeLon, like he kind of had to do it because DeLon's oh, like yeah. the no, natural. No DeLon, guy. no OG, right? Like, yeah, yeah. What do you? Do? Yeah. Um, one thing that I was concerned about, and this was a little thing that kind of happened mostly in the second quarter. Uh, Pascal Siakam, you know, you talk about the three-point shot for, for the Raptors and the inconsistencies, and Pascal Siakam is, I believe, the worst three-point shooter in the league, taking over 100 attempts this season. And Thanks. you could see it last night. The Rockets did not give a damn that Pascal Siakam was on the court. They had Chris no. Paul guarding him, and Chris Paul was paying very little attention to him. And yep. obviously that's going to cramp up your offense a little bit. Um, are you? How much is the Pascal thing like the the potential of him getting Tony Allen in the playoffs? Is that how much is that weighing on you? Because like he does a lot of really good things, and I like having him on the court for so many reasons: his playmaking, uh-huh. his ability to run. Uh, the three point shooting though is a little bit concerning, and you know that was kind of a glimpse of I think of what we're going to see teams do with Pascal in the playoffs when it really matters. I think they're going to do it to Pascal. They're going to do it to OG. They're going to do it to Norm. They were doing it to Norm yesterday too. At the end, yeah, they're going to do it to all of them until they make a shot. Yeah. So, 
Um, I think he still needs to get out there and play because, you know, he can come out and be an energy guy, get steals, run, you know, change. He can change a game that way. He changes momentum of games all the time. I know momentum is supposed to be a myth, but um, he really does change the energy. And I think he is a net positive with the things that he contributes. Um, but, yeah, that shooting is tough. If he could even hit it at, like, a 33 or 34% rate, like, I mean, that's league average, it would just change so much it would open up so much for him and for the second unit but uh, i don't think it's going to happen this season so um you kind of just have to live you know with the good with the bad no team is perfect but yeah. that's definitely a glaring weakness i was just, just looking it up as we were talking the raptors are third in the nba in three-point attempts but they're 21st in three-point percentage so yeah. uh it's tough that's a tough that's a tough thing to it, I, I still think the way they play it's a it's an overall net positive like for just you know it opens up so much for them to take that many threes but it's uh, it's it's a tough thing where you'd, you'd want to get more consistency if you can. Yeah, I mean, it's still better true shooting-wise than just yes. taking it. Like, then they're set up last year where they were yes. near the bottom in attempts. But, yeah. yeah I mean, these are small nitpicky things that you get to worry about when your team is this goddamn good. <laughs> um, Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I think... For the most part, it's it's easy to sort of nitpick this stuff, but like the Raptors just beat the Rockets, who were on a 17-game winning streak, and played really well for probably you know 75% of the game. Start of the third quarter, start of the fourth were a little iffy, but man, it was uh, it was really great to see everything come together. Kyle playing the game that he did, like that is uh, it, it's huge because you know there's the whole all oh, Kyle's not clutch thing. He hit two clutch free throws late, which I think blew everybody away. Um, and yeah, overall, man, one of the most fun games. Was this the most fun game you've attended as a fan? No, no. But give me the game really that you, give me the game that was more fun that you attended as a fan. Uh, I went to, and this is stupid because it was the only game they won. But the very first Raptors playoff game I ever went to was the Bosch uh, era Raptors against the Orlando Magic. Okay, and they were down to nothing, and they came back to Toronto, and it was. It's still, to this day, the loudest I've ever heard a venue. It was, like, unbelievable huh. how loud it was, and they won. They murdered the Magic in that game. The fans chanted Howard so loud that Dwight had to take a step back from the free throw line about four or five times and stop and take a breath. As if it, it helped. Was, uh, it was, <laughs> what's that? As if that would have helped. Exactly, I did. He could have just <laughs> shot with his eyes closed. It wouldn't have mattered, but... It was uh, that was definitely the most fun. But for a regular season game, yeah, that was, was right there. There was another game once around the same era team where they played the Celtics and TJ Ford hit like a last minute three. But like mm. this was pretty close. Yeah, this is up there for me with that overtime game against the Bulls last year where they broke the oh. curse. Yes. Um, and like obviously whatever playoff games I've been at were pretty goddamn nuts too. But yeah. Uh, yeah, this was really fun and maybe the best on paper matchup ever in the regular season at the Air Canada Center, which is pretty damn cool. And for the yeah. Raptors to pull it out was awesome. Uh, they're forty-eight and seventeen. They're three games up on the Celtics in the loss column with seventeen games left to play. They only have to go twelve and five for sixty wins. The one seed is, you know, it's not a certainty by any means, but the the disparity in losses is certainly uh, a nice thing to hang your hat on. And uh, yeah, man, I, it, good vibes all around. Yeah. Any April parting shots? Boston. That's gonna be a nice game. Yes. Uh, also, Cleveland coming up soon, which should be yes, a, that's true. Yeah, a good time. Uh, this week is a little bit of a dud with the Knicks, the Nets, the Pacers, and the and the Mavs. So Oof. yeah. Although the following week you get OKC and Cleveland, and then uh, Denver. It, it's gonna be a fun fun little couple stretch here for the Raptors. Some easy games, 
to sort of boost the the win totals and then some tough ones to test them. And Dwayne actually, funnily enough, last night, like he as like bad as that Pistons game was, uh, he's like, yeah, we need games like this, man. We need close games to sort of get things figured out. So I think he's kind yeah. of secretly okay with not blowing teams out by you know thirty every game anymore. So and I am too, honestly. It got boring for a while. I'm down to watch close games as much as it's uh, nerve wracking at the time. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. Any parting shots before we wrap this thing up here? I am all good, man. I'll be writing a few things for HQ coming up this month. And I just, any Raptors fan that's listening, if you're young and you know if you think this is the normal, enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> really, really bask in this. And I, I hope I was right earlier when I was mentioning how this is going to be a sustained kind of thing for the franchise from now on. But remember, for the people that do remember how bad it was, this is just so glorious. So just, just really, really enjoy it. Man, I I had a moment last night. I was uh, watching the game, and Brad Rowland, host of Locked on Hawks, he's been on this show before, uh, was at the Hawks game, and he tweeted, Josh Maggette sighting likely means Isaiah Taylor is done for the night. And I got (laughs) so unbelievably sad and so grateful that the Raptors are where they're at right now and not uh, that. Brad's done such a great job covering this Hawks season. I feel so bad for him, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, enjoy it while you have it, man, because this is great, and it's uh, it might not last for too, too much longer because of the contracts and the window and stuff. Of course, Giannis is coming in 2021, so maybe it yeah, will, but uh, yeah, Dan, thanks for coming on, man. This was a great time, uh, as it always is with you, sir. We'll have you on the trivia episode coming yeah, come up. Yeah, come on. When, when are we doing that? It's kind of, probably not this weekend, the weekend after, uh, just okay. because the schedules have been weird. The Raptors have played a bunch of Sunday games, and... Uh, I don't know. I'm busy and stuff. And it takes know, a lot enough. of time. St. Patrick's Day next weekend, though. I'm going to be... I don't know. If, I'll probably just lose. <laughs> it might not be then. Gonna, it, might, it might have to go... It might have to take some time. I don't know. It's it's a fluid situation right now. Because, you let me know. Um, it's March break. I can record any time. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I might have to do them during the week because it's the weekends are tough. And uh, I just had to come up with like 80 trivia questions for the thing on Thursday. So That's tough. Uh, yeah, I'm triviaed out almost, but I, I need some time <laughs> to come up with some more Raptors questions. Uh, Dan, thanks so much. Uh, follow Dan on Twitter at G. Subscribe, rate, review to the podcast on iTunes. Uh, Listen to some of the episodes from earlier this week if you want. Uh, You can still check out the episode with Glenn Grunwald from last week. It's still very fresh and it's because it's about the past. Um, That was awesome, by the way. I love that. It was really great. Thanks, man. Uh, Also check out the podcast with Katie Heindel, Dan's future matchup in the trivia tournament uh, where we uh, did the dramatic reading of her Chuck Chuck Hayes short story. Going to be more of those coming soon as well. So uh, thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Uh, Sorry I didn't do an instant reaction podcast after the game last night. Everyone was very busy and wanted to leave because it was Friday. Um, So uh, apologies, this is a little bit delayed. But uh, thanks, Dan, and thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you on Monday with another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Cheers. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, man, anytime. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.